0: everyone, I'm Jacob Kaufman, and I'm Richard Bimmer, and welcome to episode 22 of Rolling Release, our podcast about the perpetual improvement of Linux. How you doing this week, Richard? Pretty good. All right, it's been a little while since we've done an episode, and these episodes are going to get a little bit shorter, just to let everyone know that's the only way we can continue doing them. Uh, but there was some news in the past few weeks that we would like to tell you all about, and we're going to just jump right in. Uh, Richard, the first story that we're talking about today is Gnome's new client-side decorations initiative. Have you heard about this? I guess yes, I read this article. Okay, great. Um, so I have the biggest issue with everything in this article. Um, just I want to get that out there so that I'm not salty throughout the entire article. Just you know, if I was trying to portray this as if I was unbiased, it would not come across very well. So I've highlighted the TLDR here let's get rid of title bars richard what do you think about that just if i said gnome is getting rid of title bars now
1: yeah i was not for it when i read this article
0: yeah um that i just getting rid of title bars they're literally every desktop environment has title bars and has had title bars for decades but gnome says unless you're one of a very lucky few you probably use apps with title bars and they say title bars are the largely empty bars at the top of some application windows. They're very inflexible as they cannot contain any additional UI elements um, other than than what the desktop environment puts there. So my, my biggest problem with most of the assertions in this article is that they stem from this idea that title bars are largely empty and they cannot contain additional UI elements. And you know why I have a problem with those is because the reason why they're mostly empty is because Gnome made them mostly empty with Gnome 3. They made a, a really ugly theme that makes title bars look terrible, and then they made title bars have no additional UI elements by putting nothing there but one X button. Um, you know, that's, that's Gnome's fault. They made an issue, and now they're trying to solve it upstream, even though they caused the issue, and they didn't have to. So they make these assertions about how title bars are good for nothing. Which, by the way, I'd like to point out I'm using KDE. And as you can see, my title bar right here on Firefox, it looks just fine. You know, it's the same color. It matches my tabs. I know, Richard, you can't see my screen right now, but the audience can. Additionally, I'll get into this a little bit more later, but KDE does put additional UI elements on the title bar. For one thing, we've got the maximize and minimize, which GNOME has simplified out of their desktop environment. (laughs) Another thing is you have the file to edit, view, all that stuff is, like, next to it as well. And that drop down with yes. the
1: hamburger-style menu on the left.
0: Oh, um, what app are you talking about?
1: Well, I have Firefox right now in KDE, and, like, next to the Firefox icon, I have the the little hamburger icon and the file edit view history. That's, so you can access
0: all that from there. That's on the left side for you? That's on the right side for me. And I don't have the file button. button. Well, that's interesting. I I think that's part of Firefox's decoration, though. But KDE, they put this icon in the top left that you click it and you get options to move to different screens. And you can also move, resize your window. You can check a box to have no border right there. And that's on every single window that displays in Plasma. Do you have that icon at the top left? Um, Where does it look like? It's just the application icon. For every application on on my Plasma desktop, I've got... Oh yeah, I see that. Yeah. And
1: then you have the new order option.
0: Right, it's a standard. It, it's got all kinds of stuff you can do in there, and Plasma puts it on every single screen. That's an example of a desktop environment making good use of title bars. Gnome chooses to make bad use of title bars. So now they're trying to get people to get rid of title bars. So they're trying to replace title bars with what they call header bars. And header bars are client-side decorations, and we're already familiar with those. Um, Client-side decorations are drawn by the app rather than the display server. So a title bar is managed by the display server and the desktop environment puts it there using the display server, whereas client-side decorations, it shifts that responsibility. It takes the control away from your desktop environment and gives it to your application developer because we've got this, this mantra of application developers know best and they need all the power over users. And over distributions, and now over desktop environments as well. Um, And I mean, yeah, if they're talking about a unified
1: look, that really kind of hurts having a unified look at all, because then they can do whatever they want, really, with their client side. ...per each app, and so it doesn't seem to be one seamless environment anymore.
0: Yeah, and they even mention that later in the article, and they just gloss over it. They do say all GNOME apps, except for Terminal, have moved... <laughs> like, not even all GNOME apps. Not like. even all GNOME apps. <laughs> their own... This is what they are trying to say all applications should do, and they haven't even done it on all of their apps, um, but most of their apps have moved over to header bars, but some apps have not moved over to header bars, and they include some really, really niche apps like (laughs) LibreOffice, Inkscape, and Blender, uh, which are also powerhouses for Linux media development. Um, but LibreOffice, probably out of those three, is the most well-used. And you gotta ask yourself, if three of the most popular Linux applications aren't doing what you're wanting people to do, is it really a good idea to try and get all Linux applications to do that? If the three most popular ones are choosing not to for some reason, probably because they think that it's not the right way to go, um, they say... There are ways to hide title bars. You know, they say, "Oh, title bars are ugly. They don't have any functionality because that's the way they made them." There are ways to hide title bars, but they don't work on Wayland. Note: They're talking about GNOME Shell on Wayland, and at the bottom of this article, there's a footnote talking about how KDE does have that ability on Wayland. GNOME doesn't. So that's just so again, it's
1: stuff they could fix that they're right. in control of. Yeah, that they're trying to use as a justification. Yep. for why everyone should change.
0: Yeah, um, so this is their new client-side decoration initiative. They say the only way to solve this problem long-term is to patch applications upstream to not use title bars. Um, so they're going to try and go around to every single application ever and patch it to not use title bars. Not patch it, but actually get the developer to change it to not use title bars.
1: Which they mentioned is actually a quite complicated thing, particularly right. if you're using, like, older versions like GTK2, they say you have to update right. to GTK3, right? You, you can't right?
0: use older versions of GTK2 anymore. You have to, this is yeah. them saying, you have to upgrade with us now. Uh, just like, hey, just like Snaps say, you have to upgrade with us. Interesting. Once again, giving developers of the end user apps all the control and taking away control from all these pieces of the infrastructure that have been put yeah. in place over the years. Um, but they say Firefox and Chromium have both gotten client-side decoration support already. Chromium actually does it really well, and you know why they do it well is because there's a checkbox in the settings menu that you can check to have client-side decorations, or you can uncheck the box and have regular title bars. That I've they talk about the the option later in the article, not here yet. But Richard, do you know what I'm talking about? That checkbox in Chrome or Chromium? Um, actually, not it's, really. Because I haven't used Chrome recently. It's but... the option's not called client-side decorations. The option is called like use system title bars. But if you uncheck use system title bars, then you get client-side decorations. I, that is, I'm most okay with that because then at least when I'm on my desktop environment that uses title bars, I can select to use system title bars because it looks better that way when your desktop environment uses title bars in a sane manner. Firefox currently has an experimental client-side decoration build that they've been working on for a while. Um, and they've been having some i've been following firefox implementing these because people have been asking for it from firefox for a while Um, and they are not having a super easy time making it work well but they are getting there Um, i mean in
1: quantum on windows it has a client-side decorations right because i it'll have the x button at the same level as the tabs which i assume is client side yeah
0: and you know no makes a good point there that a lot of apps on windows and um here in their blog post they actually talk about mac os where mm-hmm. a lot of, like Telegram on macOS uses client-side decorations, Telegram on Linux doesn't. Uh, but you know, that's might be because macOS doesn't have protocols in place to handle title bars between several desktop environments like Linux does. Linux is unique, that's why we have things set up the way we have them set up. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, Windows and macOS both, there are some applications that use client-side decorations on them. And um, that I'm
1: kind of split on because they, it does look nicer, but it loses the um, unified look and feel across your entire operating system and that all does. the apps now look different at the top and they don't really have any common elements to them anymore.
0: Yeah. And you know, the very next paragraph discusses exactly what you're talking about. Um, so they say, what's our goal here? They do say an interesting thing. So obviously GNOME tries to get people to write apps in GTK. they say if an app uses GTK. We wanted to respect the GNOME Human Interface Guidelines. <laughs> so that that right there, if I was an application developer, being asked to follow GNOME's Human Interface Guidelines would kind of scare me away from using GTK. I just want to throw that out. But a couple, <laughs> couple lines later, they say, we're aiming for functional, not visual consistency. <laughs> there, they say function over form. This is GNOME we're talking about. This is, this is the people who (laughs) who removed (laughs) desktop icons. They removed desktop icons last week. They removed everything from the title bars a few years ago. Um, I mean, what else have they done? They removed most system panels. They removed the system tray, but function over form guys, you know, we're aiming for functional, not visual consistency. That's why we've been stripping out everything to make them all look the same is because we're aiming for functional and not visual consistency. And one of the, they say, the goal is for as many apps as possible to have the following properties. No title bar. We said that already. Um, Native looking, close, maximize, minimize icons, which you're not going to get. Because they say it's fine if an Electron app has custom, close, maximize, minimize icons. As long as they use the same metaphors as the native icons. So they say right there, it's fine if they're not native looking. And then what are our goals? Native looking. So I'm... I'm, they're losing me there. This was the most interesting point that under their goals, respects the setting for showing slash hiding, minimize and maximize. So GNOME tried uh, to get rid of minimize. Is that by default? They respects the setting, so GNOME by default turns those off. So they want all apps to have them off by default, unless you install GNOME Tweak Tool, which we know never gets features removed or anything like that. And they so want there you, is even
1: a setting currently for that? There is. <laughs> I a, didn't know you could actually show
0: Yeah, there's a setting in GNOME Tweak tool to show uh, minimize and maximize buttons. But in a, you know, to be fair, I get it. In GNOME, I didn't use that setting when I used GNOME because you don't need those in GNOME. You just drag things to other virtual desktops. But there it seems like this entire thing is just trying to get things to work better on GNOME. We want every application to look like GNOME apps on GNOME because we they want everyone to by default, hide their minimize and maximize buttons because that's what GNOME does by default. Ne- they don't care about the fact that this is completely useless for other desktop environments that use those buttons. Um, it is well, not- it I mean, would only
1: be respecting it on GNOME, right? So if you use that same app on another one, like KDE,
0: it should show it. Right, it would show it because KDE would have those things shown, but then you've got the other issues with client-side decorations, like they don't always look correct on KDE, which I will bring up an example of in a minute here. Um, but they, the next line here respects the setting for buttons to be on the left or right side of the window. That's the only thing that, that's the only saving grace that I find in all of this. I can agree that applications, you should be able to That move would be really annoying, yeah. Your plus. <laughs> Here's the thing though, KDE has the option to, to move those icons over to the left side of the window. And it works already with all of the yeah. programs <laughs> because it's not at the application level. The desktop environment yeah. is doing it. Because that's how title bars work.
1: If you, you know, don't use client-side decorations, you don't even have to worry about that because the like <laughs> the desktop <laughs> environment itself will respect that because it's running.
0: Yeah, they're creating problems for their solutions, and they're creating even more problems out of their solutions. It's all right. Which apps are affected? Basically, all applications not using GTK three are affected. Um, even a few that use it. <laughs> I've got a I've got a quote here. Uh, Excuse my language, but they they literally say, quote, holy shit, we have to redesign the entire app. That is a quote in this article where some developers are going to have to say that because this is how big of a thing, this is how big of a change they're wanting application developers to make. Um, They say, GTK3 apps are relatively easy to port to header bars. GTK2 apps need to be ported to GTK3. If you're using Electron or you're using Qt, (laughs)
1: <laughs> you're really out of luck
0: good luck yeah they're they're actually they talk about later here a little later i i'll get to it but they talk about actually changing qt to support csd they're actually trying that so
1: at the upstream level I guess, yeah like QT. going
0: upstream to qt and changing the way things work so that you can use client-side decorations which to know my say good luck with that here's they give an example of what telegram would look like um so they've got a, a screenshot of telegram with the current title bar they've got a screenshot of telegram with no title bar and a client-side decoration x and personally i just don't like the look of applications on gnome and this this telegram now looks like a GNOME app that don't have um title bars i mean are you looking at the the screenshot richard yeah i'm out on it right now what do you think about it do you think- yeah,
1: it's one of the things I feel like is visual consistency would be nice across it and also like the same spot. So yeah. the title bars, all the X buttons, and I prefer the minimize and maximize buttons, but all of them would be in the same spot because I don't want to have to be clicking or looking in different places in every app to access that. So I would prefer definitely the title bars.
0: Yeah, even just the name of the app at the top, like that's something, you know, it says Telegram at the top of, of the top screenshot that's current. And then what they're proposing It doesn't say Telegram at the top. So if you are a user sitting down at someone else's computer and that someone else has Telegram running and they say, oh, click on Telegram, how do you know what to click on if you've never used Telegram before? Yeah, you You, There's a. Yeah. Um, So I've got Telegram here also I'd like to point out. I do agree that the title bar looks ugly on the current screenshot for Telegram. Here's what Telegram looks like on my computer, though, uh, showing... The viewers right now as you can see on kde plasma with my nice dark theme i've got maxima i've got the close button maximize minimize i've got a much smaller bar because gnome is the reason why gnome's title bars are so big and clunky Um, kde has appropriately sized title bars and then on the left we've got the icon once again i can move to different screens if i was using virtual desktops i can move to different virtual desktops i've got all kinds of different actions i can do here that is a a consistent thing that is on every single program running on my system, and no one wants to throw all that consistency out the window. Um, so they say, "How can I help with the client-side decoration initiative?" Uh, you can talk to your maintainers and quote convince them that this is a good idea. Which the fact that they, the fact that they say they need help convincing people that this is a good idea, is a little telling. Um, they say we need, yeah. we need to evaluate what we can do at the toolkit level to make it easier to implement in electron or QT apps they know that like this isn't how some applications work but I I really am curious I'm like I'm gonna watch the QT mailing lists and when the gnome developers come in and say hey we want you to be more like gtk we'll see how that works out for them um, I mean electron
1: should be an entertaining read
0: it, yeah electron is one thing but but QT, yeah, it really should be entertaining. Because um, QT is, like, cross-platform more, way more than GTK is. So they've got to worry about other, other things. Like, they've got to worry about operating systems that don't even run GNOME. So I'm, they're, they're going to have some decent arguments against this that are much more tactical than my arguments. Um, so that'll be interesting. And they say, uh, they, they're, you know, call to action. They say, are you a designer who would like to help redesign apps? And I read that, I'm like, oh, God, no, no. Because every, you know, every time that I've seen a quote-unquote designer come in, you know, you remember when the KDE project got that new designer to come in and redesign the setting center, and then they got rid of, like, buttons and things like that they completely like, forgot to even include them in the. they box. forgot to include buttons and they're not a developer they're just a, like that is their job is to design and they didn't really do that very well i don't trust like quote unquote designers i you know i'm not for giving developers 100 percent total control over users but like i i know developers know what they're talking about designers don't always um i mean it needs to be a team effort i think you need to yeah have- a a
1: designer and a developer working together like directly with each other in order to have something that comes out well in my view
0: yeah or like a developer who understands some design something like that like you're you're a you you develop your website right do you have like a designer that helps you with that or do you do the design for your websites that you program yourself
1: i did the design for the website myself and i did have to read like it's still nowhere as good as I wanted and ultimately I would like to get someone to help me with the design for it. Obviously I don't have really the budget or the yeah. like time at the moment to do that. But like I ended up having I ended up reading some design articles and stuff and trying to find some information on what was the best way to look and like improve it overall. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I feel like it's really important to obviously I can see how there's definitely a need for people to be who specialize in design, but they need to be working with people who know the actual technical stuff as well and the best way implemented Where yeah you end up just completely forgetting apparently buttons <laughs> in their necessity or a search they completely yeah. forgot that you <laughs> might want to search your settings menu for settings yeah that might be handy when you have like 500 options
0: yeah uh well so if you are a designer who thinks this is a good idea you can hit up the gnome project and see where you can help out uh now they did get some understandably some backlash from posting this blog post and they posted an update at the bottom, which is interesting. They they say, as people have pointed out, it is possible to add server-side decoration support via protocol as extensions in Wayland. KDE has proposed such a protocol. And by the way, protocol extensions are a big thing in Wayland. Like the fact that it's an extension. This isn't like GNOME extensions where it's going to break in a version. Wayland like is built on extensions. Like it is a protocol, and it, protocol extensions are how Wayland is going to work. So that's a legitimate way to go. And KDE, you know, like I said, KDE has proposed a protocol extension to add server-side decoration support. They say, however, Gnome Shell does not support it. Which is Gnome Shell's problem, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, they say, at the bottom, the goal of this initiative is for Gnome users to get a better experience. Also, which I don't necessarily like the wording of, because it implies that they don't care about people not using Gnome. And then, like I said, the very last, the very last sentence in this entire thing is, like, the one thing that I am okay with. Um, This doesn't preclude applications from having title bars on different desktops or having a preference for this like Chromium does. You know, like I said, I'm okay with the way Chromium does, and I'm perfectly fine with that, Um, having an option to turn title bars on or off. But the fact that GNOME is advocating for function over form, and Gnome is advocating for adding preferences. You know, I'm not sure how legitimate they're actually going to try and implement those preferences when they're going upstream and talking to developers. Um, And if I was a developer developing a small Linux app, or even a large one, you know, I don't know how much work it would be to maintain different versions of your app for different desktop environments, which is something we're trying to avoid as we move into Wayland. Um, we're trying to avoid making app developers do that, but this is going to be one more thing they have to worry about in terms of fragmentation between different desktops. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean,
1: it would be nicer to not even have to, as like when you're developing some app or trying to throw a prototype together, to not even have to worry about client side decorations. And that's definitely the beginning of just right. the desktop environment to manage the title bars for you. Or if you do uh, use client
0: side decorations, you're not going to want to also maintain like a separate fork with server side decorations. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's interesting. It seems like GNOME is like they want to unify everything by fragmenting it so badly that we have no choice but to go to the most used thing, which is GNOME. Um, that is that's what a lot of the things they do feel like to me. But um, you can go and this this blog post will be linked in the uh, the show notes on our website, so you can check that out if you want to hear more about it. Um, let's let's get a little more positive in here. Uh, Richard, you're going to talk about the Librem 5, right? What's going on with that?
1: All right. So, yeah, I think, I don't know, it was a lot of episodes back, but we were talking about how the Librem 5, I think, finally got funded in the Kickstarter. And um, so they've actually released progress ports since then, which was pretty cool. And they've been some pretty interesting reads. They um, got a new team, so they actually... Apparently got over 100 applicants for like paid things, and they narrowed it down to 15 people. Yeah. So and that was they got them all on board as of January 2018. So they've got a good like paid team working together by now in this, which is pretty cool. They're also saying now they're looking for volunteers that um I don't know they're like gonna accept them now now that they've gotten their core team. So that's pretty cool. But one of the main things I wanted to talk about, and at least from progress report one, is originally they were going to use the IMX6 as the chip. And the main thing they wanted to use this for was it supported supported the GPU driver at Naviv, and, um, which worked, I guess, very well with their current setup and their plans. But it looks like they're planning on using the IMX8 because that was announced at CES recently, and so they think it should be, be available certainly by the time they're trying to go to production. So that would bring specs up and the power a lot more, which would be pretty cool to have it even be more powerful than it was originally planned to be. Yeah. And then they also talked about the um, display. So they kind of gave, they're working with um, their partners, which they mentioned is GNOME, KDE, Matrix, Nextcloud, and Monero. And they want to create, they're working to create a proper UI and UX for a phone screen. So the screen was going to be between 5 inches and 5.5 inches diagonally. And they're gonna have a 1920 by 1080p and a full functional touch screen i feel like 1920 may by 1080 actually seems somewhat low i feel like you know the I, flagship. i'm but. not
0: sure what i think my oneplus 5t here is 1080 and this was a flagship that came out last year and received critically acclaimed reviews personally with mobile phones i think that like 4k screens are a little excessive because yeah. you've got a 17-inch screen that's 1080p, and it's usable. If you shrink that down to five inches, I don't think you're going to be able to see the pixels either way, no matter how much smaller you make them. That's <laughs> just my personal thought on that.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's quite as high as the flagships right now, but it still seems decent.
0: And I mean, I think it's still higher than the iPhone, certainly the
1: iPhone 7 that I'm using by a fairly large margin. And then um, they're also, they have I mentioned they have a development board that currently is running the mainline kernel with Wayland UI, which is pretty cool. And they kind of then this talk about they've been looking at some different potential manufacturing sites. They don't really have anything final yet on it, but they were like looking around. I think 80 potential fabricators. They mentioned
0: yeah. they're also still
1: looking to work with some other partners. But um, it was a good first update, and I'm going to cover the second progress report as well because that was interesting. Yeah. But it was definitely they covered a lot of key points. It's giving me some good confidence in this project overall because they seem to clearly have an idea what they're doing.
0: I did yeah, find I it uh, interesting. Were you going to talk about the bit at the bottom about working with GNOME?
1: Oh, no, I didn't see that part.
0: Okay, it's just under cooperative relationships. It's kind of a throwaway line. They say our UI UX design team along with phone dev team are working with the GNOME UI UX team. Um, and it's interesting because during their campaign, KDE actually came forward and partnered with them first, and then GNOME didn't do it until like a week later when they said, oh, I want a piece of this too. Um, I think part of the reason might be because um, PureOS on desktop uses GNOME. So Purism probably wants to have GNOME by default on their phone, or they they want to have GNOME supported on their phone so that there's consistency for Purism users, which they talk about in the next article, and you can talk about that. But I do hope that the KDE and Plasma do stay in the picture throughout the development. I feel like, were they planning on having both? They, they were planning on having both, both was what they said before. And KDE. Yeah, that's what they said during during it, but in this article they say our design team is working with GNOME, and then we're planning to work with KDE at some point. So I just want to keep a close Which eye on seemed, that.
1: Yeah. Somewhat conflicting with the next article. So the next article they talk about, it's called the design team samples and this was January 24th, so this is pretty recent. Mm -hmm. And um, basically, it was pretty cool, they talk about how they've hired a um, UI and UX designer and a new web
0: designer. Yeah, and that UI and UX designer is the one who made, you remember when the uh, Librem 5 campaign first launched, the renders they had looked terrible, and then they replaced them with better looking renders a couple weeks later. Uh, This guy apparently was the one who made those better looking concept art that's actually what they're basing the phone off of now.
1: So yeah, hopefully that, I think that bodes well for them overall. Yeah. But I was actually really happy with how they have clearly tackled UI and UX early on, mm-hmm. because I feel like this could definitely be something that could make or break. If you're trying to get more casual people into this market to use this phone, who aren't just like Linux fans who use this all the time, this could be something that could make or break the experience. Because if it's a really clunky experience where like everything's 10 menus down... And it's just really hard to figure out how to use your phone. That is the most noticeable on like a small screen if you have a clunky experience. Mm-hmm. It's not quite as noticeable on a desktop or on a laptop, but it's really noticeable on a phone where you're going to have to like tap through eight menus to get through stuff. So I'm happy they're tackling this so early. And the um, initial renders looked really good. I don't know if you've scrolled down to the bottom where it has the button and states and the yeah. chat application, the contacts application. but. What's interesting is they very much look like KDE. You know, (laughs) They're very similar to Plasma looking.
0: It's interesting you say that. I didn't think they looked like KDE when I saw them. They might look like the newer KDE apps, like the new Settings Center and Discover and things. Um, I didn't think they looked like traditional KDE apps, though I thought they looked a lot like Windows Phone, personally. Um, Which isn't a bad thing, because Windows Phone, even though they didn't have a lot of apps available, um, the design for Windows Phone was pretty striking. I remember back in... In the day, years ago, I actually um, Joe broke my iPod touch and installed a bunch of Windows Phone themes on top of it because I thought it looked cool. So I think it's neat that resemblance. Do you see it at all or do you not think so? Yeah, I haven't actually
1: used Windows Phone before. So I've just seen
0: like a couple of times I've seen it in
1: person, but yeah, I don't have a whole lot of background with it to be able to compare it to. Hmm. But yeah, I feel like in some, just the, I don't know, it was, or just the icons, like the back arrow looks very similar to. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, right A lot of the icons look like they were directly ripped from KDE. Yeah. And um, one thing they do talk about that was somewhat worrisome to me <laughs> is they mentioned a unified look for pure OS devices. Yeah, that was worrisome to you? Yeah. It was in some way because their quote they mentioned specifically our approach to convergence is that mobile is the motivating factor for all other platforms. Okay, yeah. and that that line was worrisome to me because I feel like too much you too often mess up a window uh, like a laptop. I mean a yeah. laptop or desktop environment because you're trying to make it touch friendly to right. the point that like for example with Windows 10. The fact that when i'm using a mouse to unlock my computer i have to grab on the bottom and drag all the way up to the top of the screen yeah which just seems so weird and counterintuitive on a mouse and keyboard Mm -hmm. so but then their screenshot so i don't know if you can bring up the screenshot of their laptop and like that they have on there looks pretty good and then it doesn't look like that windows 10 lock screen it has a very like, friendly, desktop-looking feel. Yeah. Everything kind of it uses the space properly. It doesn't just have giant text or fill it up. Like, it seems like everything's I kind mean, of spread out. I mean, you're
0: looking at the lock screen. Well. There is a lot yeah. of blank space, but it is a lock screen at the same time. Um, yeah. They they do use GNOME, like I said, by default on PureOS, and that looks like they've got some extensions or something installed, at least a theme. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting. That has
1: definitely the um, colors of KDE Dark. Like yeah. the dark KDE Plasma theme, it has using the
0: same colors of it yeah i mean they it's definitely gnome they make it look better in kde's kde's dark theme is definitely a whole lot better than gnome's uh light by default theme but but yeah
1: but i think that's really all i all that came out of the article to me mainly because this was more just talking about design yeah i mean they mentioned you wanted to talk about
0: yeah they mentioned they were starting work on a dark theme and then the light one's gonna come later i think that's really interesting because i it, everyone loves dark themes, you know? Um, and yes. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone come out and say, I'm doing the dark theme first, uh, and then I'll worry about the light theme later. I think that's probably smart because I'd, I care more about the dark theme. I think a lot of people do. And that's another thing. Windows Phone basically had a dark theme by default, um, whereas, you know, Android, it's light by default. But I mean, it's really handy if they end up using OLED display because, like. Oh, yeah, then you're battery savings things. and things. Yeah,
1: you could literally just save battery. And I mean, for example, Apple. Really, still does not have a proper dark mode on yeah. iOS 11. Even with now the fact that the iPhone 10 uses a um, OLED display, where you could definitely gain some like you could definitely save some battery by having a, a dark theme across the entire thing. So it's cool if they're starting with a dark theme first yeah. because I feel like that's actually the thing people want probably more overall.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, And yeah, they also mention, they say KDE already has a beautiful and fully featured mobile interface. GNOME's developers' resources have not been focused on mobile user experience. Um, So that's apparently why they're aiding GNOME right now and not specifically KDE. So yeah, I'll be on the lookout for more uh, updates. I definitely like the updates, though. Cool to see how it's progressing.
1: Yeah, it's given me a lot of confidence in the project, so I'm pretty happy with it.
0: All right, and our next story is about Wine. This is a pretty short story, but I think it's pretty big. Uh, wine 3.0 came out a few weeks ago. Don't know if you uh, saw that, or do you have you do you do use Wine? Have you ever used it for anything?
1: I have never been able to consistently get it to work, okay. so I will let you take this article for All the right. most part. Yeah,
0: I, I have very little experience with Wine. I was not able to get it work with some music production software I tried to a while ago. I did get it to work with a video game called Eve Online. Um, for a while, but I only used it for like a month because I only played the video game as long as I had a free trial. Um, But yeah, the Wine is the, it's not an emulator, but it's a compatibility layer that lets you run some Windows programs on Linux and also Mac OS. And Wine 3.0 just came out. A lot of people use Wine for video games, and 3.0 is a big deal because it includes Direct3D 10 and 11 support. And Direct3D is the 3D portion of DirectX. Um, So if your video game, or if a video game you play is using DirectX 10 or 11, previously you could only go up to 9 with Wine. And then after that you couldn't really run 3D games that required higher versions of DirectX. Now you'll be able to run some of those newer games. I think GTA 5 is one of the ones that you couldn't run before, but now you can. I'm really interested to see if Overwatch runs with this. Um, personally i i'd really like to do a video just seeing what video games i can get to work in wine because i've got a lot of friends who i talk to about linux a lot and they understand why linux is better than windows but they just are too weak with regards to holding on to their video games and they play their video games so often that that's what's keeping them on windows so um, i really like to take a look at wine personally and, and test out the performance and things but yeah you got directx 10 and 11 support with 3d um, you've also got an Android graphics driver, uh, and there will be more about that in a minute. They have deferred DirectX 12 and Vulkan to the next version of Wine, which won't be out for another year. However, if your if your game is in Vulkan, hopefully it'll have a native Linux port anyway. That's part of the reason Vulkan is a good thing for Linux, because it doesn't it's not as hard to port. Um, whereas DirectX, there's no DirectX for Linux.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it's actually, from what I've heard, Vulcan seems to be a lot better than yeah. DirectX. Yeah. Um, not just in Linux support, but right,
0: just, in just in efficiency
1: general. and overall optimization, yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, but that's why I don't think it's super terrible that they don't have Vulcan support in Wine specifically. But yeah, that should be next year, they say. This year, though, like I said, DirectX 10 and 11, you can go, and I'll link the release notes down in the show notes Um, If you want to read about all the specific things, I don't know what a lot of this stuff is specifically. Um, Richard might know a little bit more, but probably video game developers are going to be the most apt at reading that stuff. Um, Like I mentioned, though, there's some Android support in this newest version of Wine. You can actually build Wine now as an APK package and you run it on Android to run Windows applications on Android. Um, So that's pretty neat. Yeah, that's
1: pretty cool. Wow. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, um, they've got audio working. They've got graphics working now. Right now, only OpenGL supported on Android. No DirectX on Android yet. But yeah, they're they're saying address during the next development cycle for DirectX on Android. Kernel-wise, it's interesting. Uh, previously, the default version of Windows on Wine was Windows XP, and you can change it to whatever you want. But uh, the default version is now set to Windows 7, starting with 3.0, uh, which is still really old, but it makes sense because, I mean, the older Windows versions are easier to fake because they're less complicated. And Windows 7 has been out for long enough now to where they've gotten pretty good at faking Windows 7. Um, and a lot of applications now require Windows 7 rather than older versions like XP. There are some user interface improvements. Wine always looks a little um, a little old. It looks like Windows 95 um, with a really low dpi you know no matter what uh, your actual monitor is but the new user interface with 3.0 built-in mouse cursors have been redesigned are available on a higher resolution for dpi screens in desktop mode higher display resolutions with different aspect ratios are supported and there's other user interface improvements as well desktop integration they have improved the way that clipboard uh, sharing with linux native applications work or uh, they say X11 applications. But yeah, Clipboard will work a little bit better now. And there's, there's all kinds of different improvements. One more down here I highlighted was their registry edit program. Um, there is now importing and exporting capability. So you can import registry keys from an actual Linux machine into your Wine configuration. Oh, and then they have also implemented program data as a well-known directory, which I've seen some applications use program data. Not a lot, but some. So yeah, that and much more, Wine 3.0 seems like a big release. Um, I've seen people on r Linux talking about how they're able to get um, the Adobe Creative Suite, the newest version of it, running on Wine 3.0 way easier than they could on the previous version of Wine. So yeah, once again, I always, personally, I choose Linux native applications first, but if you know anyone out there who is held back... By one or two Windows only applications, otherwise, they would be good to switch to Linux. Definitely check out Wine 3 because uh, it's a, a big improvement. All right. Cool. And then, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Richard is going to close us out by talking about Nextcloud Talk, right? Yes.
1: So I have, there's both the OMG Ubuntu article and the blog post. I was just going to mention the OMG Ubuntu article first, but basically, in this, Um, They just give a summary of some of the features it offers. And it's really, it's got almost everything as good as Google Hangouts, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And you can run it in Nextcloud. So for those of you who don't know, Nextcloud is a um, self-hosted kind of service similar to like Google Calendar, um, Google Drive, all in one spot that you'd run on your own server. So you don't have to worry about it being managed somewhere else and you know where all your data is and you control that. And you could just run that on a VPS or something. And um, basically, in this new feature, they've gotten, in the latest betas, they've gotten NextCloud Talk working. And so what it can do, it has a lot of features. It's actually pretty cool. They have screen sharing. They have one-on-one calls, but also larger calls for meetings. Mm-hmm. And um, it actually is also supported in the um, latest versions of both the Android and the iOS apps for NextCloud, which is pretty cool. This is not just a like a website-only they right. now supported across now, platforms. Now is it Google. in
0: the same NextCloud app? I read that is I think they made a separate app for Nextcloud talk for Android and iOS. I'm not hundred percent sure. I did
1: not I don't think I saw specifically if it was a separate one or not. Because I was looking at the blog post and he just says, um, um
0: Yeah, it is a separate app. I just looked it up. Oh yeah, it, completely but, new Android
1: and iOS apps. Yeah. yeah which makes sense because I was thinking if this is on next cloud, Media, which it is, how would they have yeah, I mean, I, in the full main apps? I'd stuff?
0: rather it be implemented in the actual next cloud app personally, because I think that the next cloud app itself is pretty useless. Um, but you know, it's still neat that you although even get Google voice is a separate app, right? Yeah. But everyone makes right, fun of Google it? for how many different things they've got. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it would be cool if they
1: could eventually integrate it in it, but for now this is, it's got some really awesome features. Yeah. So one of the cool things I also read is you can let people be invited as guests simply by sharing the link, so yes. they don't have to have an account yes, on your Nextcloud server, yeah. which is really awesome. And then they mentioned, so you can set them up, meetings can be public or private, with password protected, they can integrate directly into Nextcloud calendar, and all calls are done peer-to-peer with end-to-end, uh, with end-to-end encryption, mm-hmm. which is pretty awesome because this is open source. So we know what the code is underlying. We know it's 100% encrypted and there's it's self hosted. So you are in full control of your data. There's no metadata that is controlled by say like telegram or WhatsApp or like those services where they still can see who's calling whom they just quote, can't see what's going on, right. which we're not sure since they're closed source. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that's one of the, most of the main features for now that I noticed that really stuck out to me. They have, I think I mentioned they have screen sharing, which was something I wanted to immediately look for when I saw that. Yeah. It was so long before Discord implemented screen sharing. It was something I really wanted.
0: Yeah, they do mention that this is replacing the Spree.me integration that they announced first back when the NextCloud fork first happened. Um, And back when that happened, I was immediately critical of implementing Spreed into Nextcloud because it seemed like two different products, Um, and it sounds like they recognized that that was an issue, and that's part of why they did this, so I am happy about that. I still kind of am put off by the fact that Nextcloud does so many different things. You know, it was originally OwnCloud was meant to be a file, just a a web, like a Google Docs and Google Drive replacement, Um, and I'm not sure if they have a good web editor anymore, um or if they have one at this point in time but they've gone and they've added calendars and email programs and now video chatting programs um at the top of their blog post they say they they make some assertions about what users want they say you want to have a group chat you want to have a video call you want to call a person directly from within Nextcloud you want to do this using the same login and i i personally kind of don't want that you know um i don't want to have a group chat and I I don't want everything to go through the same login all the time, um, so the fact that they make those those big assertions about what users want is kind of off putting to me. At the same time though, uh, we really do need badly a an open source video calling app right now because um, me and Richard have well, how many different video calling apps have we tried? for this show Jitsi, we...
1: google hangouts discord and skype to name the first four that yeah my mind. <laughs>
0: uh quite a few of them and if Nextcloud is if this is a, a decent service then i might be tempted to make a Nextcloud server again so that i can take advantage of uh this and other features so yeah that is the last story that we had to talk about this week and yep like i mentioned before these episodes are going to be a little bit shorter. I mean, this was a 47-minute episode. I think when we when we have less articles, we can actually talk about them in a lot more detail, though. So it's a little bit more quality. If you, as a viewer, want to talk to us about Linux news throughout the week, or if you want to talk to us about anything we did not cover in this episode, uh, Nerd of the Street does have a Discord server at discord.nots.co. You have to go to that in a web browser to get the invite, and then after that you can get to it through the Discord app. We've also got a subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash nerd on the street. Uh, If you want to submit stories for us to talk about there, um, any articles that you guys can help us find would be really appreciated. I mean, personally, I spend a lot of my free time between classes and things at school looking up Linux articles, um, but having some audience input on what you guys want us to cover would be helpful since we're not going to be covering as much. Uh, For now, though, hey, Richard, where can people go throughout the week if they want to find more of you?
1: Um, blurf 22 on Twitter, and that's probably about it. I mean, I also run a few websites, but to update my main website eventually <laughs> to keep it up to date, and I'm going to work on some updates both to Minecraft Media and Elantra Media, my other two kind of main sites right now. All right,
0: and you can find me at JacobGKAU on Twitter, and you can find me in the rest of the videos over at nerdonthestreet.com. Uh, for now, though, that's everything we have to talk about. Keep using Linux, everyone. Have a good week. Bye.